0: Hello there, everybody. Happy Tuesday. I hope everybody is doing relatively well in this month of July. I have another installment of the teacher series for you today. It was so fun. I reconnected with a friend that I met during the master's kind of summer. So when you get your Montessori um, AMI diploma, It's the year or you break it up in three summers, but then there's a few summer courses that you take to complete your master's degree. And I met this wonderful woman during that summer and we connected over music and Portland, Oregon. And I just remember thinking she was so great and had such a beautiful spirit. And long story short, we we have reconnected and she is my guest on today's episode Catherine Castillo is on this episode on another installment of the Teacher series. I'm so happy that she agreed to come on. We get into a lot of interesting things and we we really dive deep into the spiritual preparedness of the adults, something of high interest to me. So I hope you enjoy. I have a fun announcement. I have been working hard on revamping the All Things Montessori website. So now if you go to allthingsmontessori.podcast.com, we have a new website. You can subscribe to us. I'm getting better at sending out newsletters. There's been a lot going on, but on this new website, we have a blog. You can listen to every episode. You can contact us easily and just read a little bit more about All Things Montessori. So I welcome any visits to the website and thanks so much. I want to give a big shout out to our Patreon community, as well as our entire All Things Montessori community, the listenership, and The support is truly, it's just sort of mind blowing to me and I'm incredibly grateful. So thank you to everybody who has supported all things Montessori, just either from the beginning or as long as you've been listening, the support means so much to me. And I just, I love putting out this content for everyone. So thank you so much for listening. If you want to head on over to our Patreon page, you can check it out, see if it's something you're interested in. And if you're not interested in it, no worries. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, this episode is brought to you by Sapling Supply. I had the pleasure to sit down with Sapling Supply for a really fun interview. Go check it out if you haven't. It's all about Sapling Supply and about being a Montessori dad. It's fantastic. And of course, you can get 10% off site-wide using our promo code ATM10. And enjoy this next installment of the Teacher Series with Katherine Castillo. I'm so excited today to talk to a friend that I haven't talked to in a really long time. And we were lucky enough to do our graduate summer program together at Loyola. I'm here with Catherine Castillo, and I'm so excited to have you here. It's very nice to talk to you. Yeah, so I'm going to jump right in and ask what your Montessori story is. What brought you to Montessori? I always, it's always usually a a big roller coaster of how we got there. So (laughs) yeah,
1: I've listened to some of your other episodes. And I love that you asked this question. And Mm -hmm. I had never heard it said that way. Your Montessori story. It's just so fun to say. Yeah. So my Montessori story definitely started my senior year of high school. Actually, I was Mm -hmm. in a class called theory of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time in my life that I really remember being asked big questions. Like, why are you here? Like, What, what makes you unique? Just Mm. questions. And Mm -hmm. I remember sitting there at those big science tables, wondering why no one had asked me those questions before, Mm. or if they had, why I didn't hear them. And in that moment, I decided that I wanted to be a teacher so that I could ask big questions at an earlier age. Wow. And so I, got my undergrad in elementary education. And in my senior year, did my student teaching in a fifth grade classroom in a public school. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I really felt my soul starting to get sucked out very quickly. Sure. It just it wasn't it wasn't right for me. It wasn't what I was wanting to do. Mm -hmm. And so the next year, I found a job as an assistant in a preschool because that was the only place I could find that was looking at the whole child, the emotional development, the social development, the intellectual development, all of it. And that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. So I did that for a year and that was fine. And then my husband and I decided to move to Portland, Oregon. We were Mm -hmm. in Illinois at the time and it was a complete adventure. We drove out there and I had a job interview lined up at a Montessori school but no jobs. And we didn't have a place to live. (laughs) I love it. But on our drive out the day before we got in Portland, we found a place to live. And I had my job interview at a Montessori school because I, that name had just floated around enough when I was searching for alternative schools. Mm -hmm. And so I had a job interview at Sunstone Montessori school. And I felt like I basically just got a lesson. In Montessori, in my job interview, amazing, and was offered the position. And so I worked in a three to six class classroom as an assistant for a year. But I was also given the keys to the school. I was in charge of unlocking the building in the mornings. Oh, wow! And so I was the first one, and I'd turn on the lights. You know, get the heat on in the winter time, and I would always peer into the upper elementary classroom for a while. I would just mm-hmm. gaze in for a while, and just knew that that's where I wanted to be. Mm. And so after being an assistant for a year, I went to Montessori Northwest, which was in Portland. It was way too much of a coincidence not to go for it. Of course. And did the elementary training just because I've always known that that's my place. Mm -hmm. And then the following year, moved home to Kansas City with my husband. It's home for both of us. Nice. And I work at Clay Platt Montessori School. Mm -hmm. It's on 10 acres.
0: Oh, it's wow. Beautiful.
1: There's a creek that runs through. It's just on kind of this little back road. And I, I grew up actually just a few minutes from the school. And I used to always ask my parents to drive me on that road because it felt like it was the back way home.
0: Wow. That's so profound. And how long have you been there? How long have you been at that school? I'm in my fifth year at Clay Platte. Wow. So you went right from training to that school. Okay. And that's where I've been. So that's my experience. Wow. Wow. Well, you had experience before training. I'm always, I had a few friends that, you know, were assistants in classrooms or had been in Montessori classrooms before. And I was always so jealous uh, because I was experiencing it all for the first time. So my brain was just constantly like, Oh my gosh. I, one thing I just, I want to latch onto that. I love what you said. I love that the thought of asking big questions is what prompted you on this journey, especially for elementary, because that's really what it's all about is, you know, evoking that sense of wonder. Like I wonder, or like, I want to learn more about that or just finding their own place in the world. So that is an amazing story. Yeah. Thank you for letting me share it. Yes. I love it. So Okay, so you've been at the school for five years. How was your transition after you know we had that fun little summer in Baltimore? I remember right. I, was with, I was with all the Portland <laughs> kids. You guys were so fun, but um, I remember all of the people in my cohort at at WMI were all together, and then I was just singled out alone <laughs> with <laughs> with all the people from the Northwest. Which I mean, I loved. <laughs> it was awesome.
1: Yes. Uh, so the transition from that summer at Loyola, mm-hmm. uh, to Clay Platt, it, it felt quick. You know, I, it, I definitely, I had time to prepare some materials. I had some time to settle in, Yeah, but it really felt like right into it pretty much.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I started in lower elementary. I did my okay. first four years in lower elementary. Um, okay. and I knew I wanted to at least do a cycle in low world to start with just to like grow up with them mm-hmm. into upper elementary. And mm-hmm. so that's what I've been able to do. I just stayed a year longer than I thought I would
0: in lower L. Oh, that's super fun. Do you have some of the kids that you had in lower yeah. L in your upper L? Oh my gosh. I sure I do. That. <laughs> that <laughs> long-term relationship. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. You're sort of getting almost like a six to 12 experience because you're watching them. That's fantastic. Yeah.
1: I, like to some extent. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to some extent. And the thing that I also forget, like, I've always been very aware that I am watching them grow.
0: Yes. And they are also watching me grow. Yeah, that's very true. Oh, man. So in your transition, in the lower elementary for those four years, how did it go? I mean, and also you did a big move too. you moved back home, right? So that's a lot to like, kind of unpack at the same time. Um, I always yeah. think about my first year of teaching, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like kind of a mess, but it was so beautiful at the same time. Cause I felt like I was just learning everything for the first time in, in a way, you know, it's like you're in training and it's perfect and beautiful and it's this lovely experience. And then I feel like you get thrown in the classroom and it's like off to the races, you know?
1: Absolutely. I feel very grateful Uh, for the, like the head of school that I've worked for, I have always really felt the gift of like autonomy to figure out how to do it, but also support at the same time. So I, I really feel like I've been given the gift to find my way, but that's also had its challenges. I, I didn't have other people right next to me to look to, or ask for help from, even now, I I really feel like I am seeking a mentor or multiple mentors. Totally, because I feel like I'm at that place now where like how do I keep going up? How do I keep pushing through? How do sure. I keep how do I keep going? Really, yeah. like in the way that I know I want to and know that I can.
0: Mm-hmm. So, are you the only elementary classroom at your school? There's also lower elementary. Uh, oh, but you're but now you're yeah. So you don't have an adolescent program. I'm guessing we do. No, we oh. do actually. Okay.
1: Yes. Okay, but we, you're the
0: you're the only you're the only upper L.
1: Right. So there's no one, yeah, doing the exact same work that I, I see. Am, so you're the
0: bridge yeah. between this very important link, right? You are the, you get them right after lower elementary, and then you're preparing them for adolescence and yeah. upper elementary. Oh my gosh, I was so fortunate to work with a couple ele- upper elementary students it was actually virtually but I was helping out a few families and did a little learning pod and it was it was so much fun because I had predominantly (laughs) worked in lower L I had um, a couple nine and ten year olds but I never really had I never really got to see it go all the way to 12 and upper elementary students like they can just do a lot of stuff that six-year-olds just can't (laughs) Yes. And I'm still learning that.
1: I'm still very much learning that. Like, what can you do? What are you capable of? Like, how, how
0: far can you go? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's so it's, um it's a really cool chunk of elementary. I think yeah. it's so beautiful when they first come in the classroom. They're just like, you know, so excited. So overwhelmed and going all over the place. Um, But to (laughs) to watch them, you know, refine their skills and and get to Upril. That's just amazing. Yeah. So one more question about your school, because I'm so curious, you're on 10 acres. So do you have a farm model for adolescents? Yes, we have a farm school. Gosh, stop. That is amazing. Yes, we have a farm school. And
1: just recently, they actually became their own entity
0: okay cool
1: uh and i don't have a ton of details about that but no, that's it's all right i was it's just curious great, yeah uh yes so there are animals that they tend to there's a garden um yes. and they like they have a market and uh, their economy yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah they're doing it oh, yep. that is so cool it's so wonderful for your elementary students to be able to see that next step that's really yes neat. and they're eager they okay. are <laughs> so eager. <laughs> I bet they are. So diving a little bit into, you know, the deeper levels of Montessori, we, we talk about this idea. I don't even know if it's an idea, but we talk about the preparedness of the adult, the spiritual preparedness, how to be prepared for this really important work. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that um, because I personally have had my ups and downs with it. Specifically, the for me, it was patience, but also putting my own needs really to the mm. side every single time. It's easy to do a lot of the time, but there's some days where it's like, oh, my goodness, it's so hard. I think that is the most important and one of the hardest components of Montessori work.
1: I agree. I yeah. agree. And when Montessori talks about the idea of a cosmic task, Mm -hmm. of every part of the universe having something to do and they do it and in doing so they contribute to the whole. And I feel my cosmic task is developing the spirit and ultimately supporting others to do so as well, or being there alongside their journey. Yeah. And so for me, like that is what gets me out of bed in the morning to go to work. It's okay. I have another opportunity to just work on being neutral to some extent, but also in that accessing joy, being present, um, having like cultivating curiosity myself. Yes. Feels like the work Uh to me.
0: Yeah. I remember I was having trouble just sort of inspiring some work with some of my students. (laughs) And it didn't really occur to me that I needed to model being a student myself. So yes. when you talk about that curiosity, that eagerness to learn, that love of learning, I mean, they're watching everything you do anyway. So mm-hmm. you're so right on about that important aspect of it.
1: And to some extent, I think it's giving ourselves permission that we can be curious mm-hmm. about what we, we can learn what we want to learn about yeah. and share it. And I I think just kind of feeling that freedom is really Mm -hmm. important that truly we can do what we want with our day. Yeah. Like what does a good day look like? What does a good week look like? Mm -hmm. And like that, like that freedom does feel incredible. Like we speak about like the freedom and responsibility that the children have, but the adult also has a lot of freedom and responsibility.
0: That's a really, yeah. What a cool way to look at it. I, I think it's hard sometimes with teaching or just being an adult, you get so stuck in your own lane of the things you you should do, the things you <laughs> have to do, all those whatever. Yeah. And then and then your story about moving to Portland and not even knowing where to live. I have a similar story when I did that in New York City, very similar, just moved there on a whim. And I think about that person and I'm just like, wow. Like I don't, you know what I mean. Now I just feel like old and mature and responsible, (laughs) you know. Um, But there's some spontaneity in that that um, I think it's important to remember and to bring in. I one of my favorite days. um, I had a whole plan for what we were going to do, and of course, then something amazing happened, and I couldn't do any of it. There was a fawn in our parking lot, and the toddler teacher came in, and she was like, "There's a baby deer out in the parking lot." you should take the elementary children to go see it. And I said, no, I can't. I have this whole plan. <laughs> and then I then I was like, what are you doing? Um, so we spent the whole morning outside and they were singing songs to it. We were oh. at a good distance. It was so beautiful because we had actually yeah. just learned Doe a Deer from Sound of Music. And so they were like, the deer will love this song. <laughs> oh my goodness, what timing. I know. <laughs> so yeah, just moments like that throwing your agenda totally out the window yes absolutely
1: absolutely yes Mm -hmm. those can be the best days Mm
0: -hmm. those can be
1: the very best days
0: so how many children are in your class right now at this moment 12 okay well how what's the biggest group you've had
1: the biggest group I've had uh was I think 22 or 23 it was kind of hovering around those numbers in
0: lower L okay yes okay how, what's the difference between a 12 person classroom and then a 22 or 23? Ooh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> so
1: much. But what's also interesting is I had the bigger class when I was a younger teacher
0: uh-huh. and it felt like a lot. It felt like yes. a lot.
1: Yeah. I think that at this point I could like, feel like I could manage it a bit better. But now with 12, interestingly, I still feel pulled in many directions. Sure. And I think some of that has just been kind of trickling from just what this year has been. There yeah. was a, a good part of this year that it was in person and online at the same time. And so just okay. felt really, really pulled so much mm-hmm. of this year. Yeah. And I don't know if I've really like stepped out of that mindset that, mm-hmm. that I don't have to be pulled in so many directions anymore that I can just settle in and, and be with what's right in front of me and know that that's going to be enough.
0: I, Absolutely.
1: These days I do still feel like, okay, I, I sit down and I should probably get up and go do something else. And then I should mm-hmm. probably go do
0: that. I'm I'm just feeling very pulled right now. So you were doing kind of like a blended kind of like a, a dual thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really hard. That seems, I mean, look, the whole, it was the the whole year went hard. (laughs) Like nobody had the right answers. Like everything was really challenging, but um, I am, you know, I do think though, um, elementary students are, I think they're more equipped for online learning. They might, they might not like it. You know, none of us particularly loved it, but, um, I feel like they, they can handle it a little bit more. Yeah. I agree. From, from what I've seen, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are you back in person now? Yes. Everyone is present. Wow. So how's that transition been having everybody back? It's felt great. It's felt really great. They missed each other. I bet that's so, I mean, the social component is so, so present in an elementary child. And then I'm sure though, did they, did they, um, Did they talk to each other online? Like have little (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) They yes. And I mean that's for sure continuing. It's all about exchanging
0: their username so that they can find each
1: other. (laughs) They're so
0: cute. (laughs) They're so cute. That reminds me of like when I was in middle school and everybody was on like AOL or something. It's like feels very retro to me. Yeah. That's so sweet. Mm -hmm. So um in terms of lessons, I want to talk to you about kind of like your favorite things to, to do in the classroom. One thing that was a was a challenge for me, so I'm curious to know your take on it. It was a challenge, but I was like, this is the coolest thing about the elementary classroom. Like, I've got to get my act together. Yeah, The experiments. The experiments, yeah, like the, how they, you experiment with lesson planning, or the no, experiments that they do. The experiments that they do—that was such a, an area that was tough for me. Just to get all the supplies, I would always panic that you know something would explode or it would be <laughs> too much of a mess. So I just wonder how that how that's going for you, and if you're. I mean, you're definitely doing a better job than I did because I was, it was a mess.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't think you should be too hard on yourself. I'm sure you were doing just fine. It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's it's so hard. I have lesson planned in so many different ways throughout the years. I've tried yeah. so many different things. There, there are so many times where things are going really well. And yes, we're fully stocked and we have all the supplies. And then there are <laughs> the weeks that I don't even know how to catch back up. Sure. Um, Actually, right now, I am doing a new form of lesson planning. I have never used an annual plan before. Oh, okay. So I created an annual plan, like planning for all 30 some weeks of the school year. Mm-hmm. And this this comes from Greg McDonald's. Okay. And you plan a certain number of lessons, like from every album and you plop it in a certain number of times in the year. Okay. And then each week you just pull from that annual plan and just plan the specific component of that lesson that you're going like to do. Like what
0: the, what the child is like maybe interested in or what's calling to them or right. from your observations. I see. Okay. Right. So like
1: you already know in general what you're going to give, but you just fine tune it. For I the week. see. How does and that, it, how's it working? So far so good. Nice. So far, so good. It's um, I feel like I'm able to be creative in a different way with the plan. I also feel more settled that I'm going to be truly giving cosmic education, that yeah. I'm not going to be avoiding the stuff that feels tricky. <laughs> it is good, <laughs> good to is see it. Uh,
0: yes. It, oh, my gosh. I remember looking at my notes you know, over the past weeks or something and being like, Oh my gosh, I haven't given a biology lesson in two weeks, or or this child hasn't had a math lesson. And you know, who knows how long? Yeah, it's really easy to get there. So I can see how I mean, of course, you're observing the children. And, you know, things come up that you want to give them lessons, or I'm assuming that's what happens is what what you're telling me, but you have a backbone of I'm going to get this stuff in no matter what, because this child is this age and they need this lesson. That's really cool. It's helped keeping, keep me more accountable. I can see that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, the other thing like we should talk about, you're in a year round program. Yes. So how do you guys do that? The school I used to work for, we had a year round as well. So I'm interested how you guys have yours set up. So it's all I've ever really known as okay. a,
1: as a guide, but I love it. So we have roughly speaking six weeks in session and then a week off. Nice. Roughly. Uh, it doesn't always work out that way, but that's kind of in general what it is, but more time off in the summer. So for June, July, and August, a week off in each of those. Oh, okay. And time in August for, for stuff oh, yeah. to, to get of ready again. Yeah. And yeah, that's how it works. And I actually see some of the very best work happening during the summer session. How cool. Which surprised me my first couple of years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't expect it at all. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm just learning more about the seasons and about cycles, it makes sense that summer could be when we're our fullest.
0: Sure. Like it's when we
1: are our most energetic, when we mm. are most social.
0: And I always thought too, that a lot of things come together for children in the spring like, mm. you know, like you would just sort of see, like, maybe you gave them a lesson. I mean, it just takes a while sometimes for somebody to get a concept or to really understand what an adverb is or whatever it is. Right.
1: And spring and, is a time of blooming.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it makes sense
1: that the seeds that we planted would be blooming in the spring. That's right.
0: Oh, that's a beautiful image. I love that. Yeah. And then, you know, because I think when children go away for summer, I, you know, because I've never done year round. I I do think that it's a time for them to just solidify stuff. That's really, really, that's really, really neat. So do all of the children elect to be in the year round or is it sort of, do you have the same group the whole time? Yep. It's just the way it is. It's just the way the school is. Okay. I see. Okay. Cause you know, some schools have like, you can like choose to be in the summer session or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Cool. So it's all you've ever known. Yeah, that's, that's so different. Um, Because I think with the not different, necessarily, but you know, when you're doing the traditional school year, you do kind of have those milestones, like, okay, we got to get to May or, you know, June or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it just keeps going.
1: Yeah. So yeah, right. At some point, you would need to like wrap it up. Right. And I don't yeah. necessarily have that feeling. Right. There are these different places where we really notice where we are. Mm -hmm. And it does feel like we're kind of wrapping things up, but, but then we get to just keep on going. Mm -hmm. So like there, there are those moments to pause and reflect and be grateful and like feel our community as it is, Mm -hmm. because that's the other piece. The community shifts often. Sure. And so it's, I I think that's always really interesting to, to really recognize each
0: community Mm -hmm. before it passes to something else. Absolutely. Because I mean, one person or a couple people or somebody leaving, I feel like the group's always changing, always. Yes. And the yeah. energy shifts. It really does. It really does. does. Yeah. <laughs> so am I remembering this right? That you're a musician? Yes. I play the piano and the flute. Yeah. That's right. I I, I mean, I remember we connected about Portland and I was pretty sure we connected about music. Yeah. So being a musician, um, how fun is it to do the music materials in the Montessori classroom? And do you bring other things alive in the music section? I'm sure you do. It
1: feels really exciting to watch a child compose a
0: song. Yes. I, I love that. That's just one of my favorite best. things. Yeah. It's my favorite. I remember some of my children would just do that as follow-up work. And I was just like, of course you can write a song about, I it. It was like, you know, oh yeah. I remember I had a student who wanted to, he was reading a book and he wanted to do some sort of project on it or something. And he asked if he could write a song about it. Why are you asking me? It's the best yes, go idea ever. I trust you. Yeah. Yeah, That's so cool. Have you brought your flute in as well and played for them?
1: I actually have not brought my flute in. Oh my gosh, you should. It's
0: probably time for that, isn't it? Do it. And that's such a fun instrument to do like a whole lesson on. That would be super cool.
1: Yeah. That's a great idea. I will do that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let me know how it goes. That sounds awesome. Keep you posted. Yeah. So before we wrap up one, this has been so delightful chatting been so fun yes thank I, you of course I wanted to ask um it's been a tremendously hard year for teachers but I always think teachers need support all the time I mean COVID was just another layer on top of an already really challenging and exhausting job so I think we always need words of wisdom so do you have any advice or words for the teachers out there right now my advice or
1: Like just what I want to say is that you are doing very good work and to trust yourself. Each day is unique and you can be present as the energy ebbs and flows. And even if some days all you can do is show up, (laughs) that's, (laughs) that's okay. And you are doing good work and just keep filling up your cup because the more you are able to nurture yourself, the that's when you'll be able to nurture others in the way that you want to. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Well, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. I love your podcast. You're doing, oh, you are doing beautiful work. So <laughs> please keep it up.
0: Oh, thanks. I will.